to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Derek Benright. We're here with Michael Beller. It is Friday, May 29th. Our guest today is Virginia Zakis from Inside Injuries. You've seen her work on the site, on The Athletic, of course, uh, breaking down injuries throughout the past year or so now. Uh, Virginia, how's it going today? Going well. It's good to be talking some baseball. Yes, uh, definitely um, a form of therapy for me at this point to uh, focus on hopefully the, the season ahead. And, you know, with this delayed start to the season, it's been a really interesting time to try and figure out what's happening with players as they work their way back from a variety of different injuries. So we want to talk to you about what we could maybe expect from players coming from all different uh, issues, coming back from all different issues as this uh, this season hopefully gets underway here in the next few weeks. And uh, there's a bunch of high and big name pitchers who are dealing with the injuries. We'll start with Justin Verlander. Uh, the original expectation for him was that he would return uh, around mid-May from groin surgery. He also had a lat injury this spring as well. Uh, with spring training still at least a few weeks away, is it safe to look at him as someone who enters the second spring training completely healthy? Or is there something about either of those injuries that gives you some pause? Yeah, so he had surgery in mid-March. Our algorithm is giving him a seven-week optimal recovery time to recover from this. Um, when we say optimal recovery time, that basically is just for the body to completely heal from the injury. Um, for pitchers, a lot of the time it takes longer to, you know, stretch out their arm, um, be cleared to, you know, really rejoin the rotation. Um, but I actually think he's going to be okay come the start of, you know, restart of the season, whenever that is, because he will have hit that seven-week mark. Um, I think they'll bring him along pretty slowly, of course, but he should be good to go. Um, the lat injury was actually caused because he was trying to overcompensate from this groin issue that he'd been having trouble with. He also dealt with some triceps tightness, um, and soreness early on, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that he's going to be okay. I need to keep an eye on him. If he has any of these other little injuries pop up, that will be concerning because it means he's still trying to compensate for something. Um, he's a high injury risk right now, but looking ahead, our algorithm is saying he'll be elevated by the start of July as long as nothing new comes up. So I actually think he's going to be good to go, and I'm not too concerned about him as this is a pretty uh, simple and straightforward surgery. Yeah, people getting back into fantasy drafts, not concerned about him either. Uh, if you look at NFBC ADP, starting with May 1st, he is the fifth starting pitcher off the board in a typical draft, right around pick number 20. So people feeling good that Verlander will be healthy if we get a 2020 season off the ground. How about Mike Clevenger, a guy who uh, was expected to be coming back in about late April, early May. He had knee surgery uh, back before everything shut down. Uh, the concern here also maybe runs parallel to Verlander in that it's not Clevenger's first surgery. It's not his only surgery of the last 12 months. So there is a little bit of a history here, even though it's different body parts. Uh, what do we need to see from Clevenger in spring training 2.0 to feel good uh, that he is ready to go, no restrictions whatsoever when the season begins? Yeah, so Clevenger is another guy that I think really is going to benefit from the delayed start to the season. His injury also comes with a seven-week optimal recovery time, um, meaning by you know, mid to late April, he should have been just about fully recovered, um, just his knee. So now it's just a matter of making sure he comes back slowly. 
um, when he, you know, when he lands on that leg, making sure he's fully comfortable um, and that his leg is strong enough. Because a lot of the time after surgery, the meniscus where it was trimmed may be fully recovered, but the rest of his leg has lost some muscle. So it's just important to make sure he really gets his strength back um, and he's not going to alter his throwing motion because he's lost some strength in his leg. But I think he's going to be good to go. Um, Craig Kimbrell suffered a similar injury a few years ago. He was back in seven weeks, struggled a little bit, but um, Clevenger's got more time. So again, as long as he's not picking up any other little injuries, maybe like a little hamstring strain, a little, you know, ankle sprain, um, I'm optimistic that Clevenger is going to be ready to go. The other uh, oft injured pitcher in this case, uh, James Paxton is working his way back from back surgery. The original expectation when that was first reported had him out possibly until June. It seemed like things were kind of trending to be a a bit more optimistic than that when everything shut down back in March. So uh, where's Paxton at in his recovery? And is he also kind of on track to be pretty much 100% when things ramp up again? Yeah, so they're expecting him to be ready to go whenever the season begins. Um, So far, it seems like his recovery has gone very well. He's been ahead of schedule. The only thing I would warn is that just because you seem ahead of schedule, that doesn't mean you need to start rushing back. Um, So hopefully the delay is good and that he's going to take his time in coming back from this. These core injuries can be incredibly tough on pitchers just because of the torque required to deliver a pitch. Um, Every time you're delivering a pitch, you're putting a lot of stress on the back. So if there's a very slight issue, that can quickly become more serious. Um, But with roughly, I'll say three to four months, um, a pitcher recovering from this, if they don't have any issues, they should be ready to throw off the mound, throw at full speed, um, and then take a little more time, of course, to stretch their arm out. So given that he had surgery in early February, he should be good to go by early July. But he is going to remain an elevated injury risk throughout the rest of the season, just because of the highly recurrent nature of these core and back injuries. We've got one more pitcher who fits into this group of the big-name guys, and that's Blake Snell. He's an interesting one because he's the one guy of this quartet who didn't have any surgery uh, right before the season was supposed to begin, uh, but he's also the one who seems to be getting penalized most for the injury that he did have. He was suffering through some elbow soreness, elbow inflammation uh, in the spring before the shutdown, but he was starting to throw again uh, before things shut down and before MLB went on this indefinite hiatus. He is now coming off the board right around SP-17, which does not exactly square with his talent overall, as we saw just a couple years ago when he won the AL Cy Young. Uh, definitely seems like he's paying a bit of an injury ta- uh, uh, injury tax. Excuse me. Uh, are, are we seeing any sort of um, anything that would suggest that Blake Snell is at a heightened injury risk going into this season? Um, he definitely is. I think Snell is entering the season as kind of your classic high-risk, high-reward guy. Um, Our algorithm still has him in the high injury risk category. Um, We have three categories, low, elevated, high. So he's in the worst category right now. Um, It looks like looking ahead at our projections, he likely is still going to be in the high risk category for at least the next few months, mainly because he had um, arthroscopic elbow surgery last year to remove bone chips, and he's now still having continued elbow problems. Um, He received a cortisone injection, but from what I can tell, it was not to the same side as the ulnar collateral ligament, which is good news because hopefully that doesn't mean he's dealing with something that could um, eventually lead to Tommy John surgery. But it's obviously never good to see a pitcher have, um, you know, multiple elbow problems, especially within 12 months. 
Um, you know, he was hopeful that surgery would, would fix his problems, but it obviously hasn't. So I'm pretty concerned about him going into the season. Um, it also sounds like he has not thrown off the mound since the shutdown. And while they're saying it's precautionary, um, you know, we're three months into this. So I think it's pretty concerning if he's only been throwing on flat ground and from shorter distances. So, you know, if he doesn't ramp things up pretty quickly, once the the season resumes, um, he's someone I would not touch in fantasy drafts. Yeah, it's very uh, expensive too. You know, in terms of just how early you have to draft him, so it seems like the the risk might just be simply too high at this point with Snell, based on that limited or lack of progress. Uh, Virginia, let's talk about Aaron Judge for a second. He's had one of the most bizarrely reported rib injuries I think I've ever seen. Uh, it is a stress fracture, and apparently, it's causing issues elsewhere. What can we expect from him? I mean, some of the recent reports seem to be somewhat encouraging after a couple of months where he didn't seem to be making any progress at all. Yeah, so Judge was actually hurt initially back in September, um, was experiencing some pain in his shoulder, but they didn't know what exactly was going on. Um, This location of the stress fracture, his first rib, it's really difficult to diagnose this injury. And if you don't know exactly what it is, you're not going to treat it properly. If you think it's just a shoulder injury, um, you're not going to treat it how you need to. So that's why his recovery has been so delayed. But they finally diagnosed in an early March, figured out what's going on. Um, With this injury, sometimes you'll undergo surgery and a little piece of the rib will just be removed. Um, They don't really repair it or reinforce it. Um, But for now, he's decided not to undergo surgery, and he's just having CT scans every, um, you know, two to four weeks to track his progress, because that's the best way to see how the rib is healing. Um, It sounds like it is improving, but he still has a long way to go. He hasn't swung a bat yet. Um, It's not fully healed. Um, I think they continue to be optimistic that he's going to avoid surgery, but you know, it's been a really long time and it's still not healed. Um, this part of the chest gets very little blood flow, which makes it difficult for the injury to heal fully on its own. Um, so I think Judge is just one of those guys we got to watch pretty closely when the season picks back up and really evaluate what his level of baseball activities is. But the fact that he hasn't been cleared to swing a bat yet, um, and you combine that with his injury history, you know, he had an oblique strain last year. He had a one to the other side in 2016. Um, he's just had a lot of injuries that tend to recur. So I'm, I'm pretty concerned about him entering the season, considering it's been as long as it has, and he still is nowhere near 100%. You know, it's not uncommon, as we know, for players to play through some sort of injury, right? A 85% Aaron Judge, maybe the Yankees feel like, is better than a 100% Mike Talkman. So let's just play a little bit of game of what if and say Aaron Judge is back on the field for the Yankees relatively early uh, when this 2020 season picks up, but he's not quite at 100%. A player with his skill set, what sort of complications would we expect to see if he is playing with this injury not fully recovered? Yeah, the problem is he's going to um, he's very likely to cause another injury if, if he plays while this one is still healing because it's very, very painful to play through. Um, the injuries you might see him suffer might be you know, something like a a shoulder sprain, because that's closely related to where the first rib is located, um, or maybe even um, another oblique strain. Oblique strains are highly recurrent injuries. So the fact that he had one last year, and now he's dealing with an injury in a similar location, um, you know, that's a real red flag. And that's why right now our algorithm has him firmly in the high injury risk category, just because even if, even if he can fight through the pain of the, the rib stress fracture, he, there's just such a high likelihood of causing another injury that would 
require multiple weeks or even months to recover from. Let's talk about Adalberto Mondesi for a moment. He had shoulder surgery in September. There was a five to six month timetable for his return. I think he was scheduled to start playing in spring training games the first day uh, that was kind of wiped off the slate back in mid-March. And things seemed to be progressing a bit slower than expected before the shutdown. Uh, What are we looking for as an indicator that Mondesi has, in fact, recovered? Yeah, so our algorithm um, gives the recovery for this from this injury a 20-week optimal recovery time. So we actually thought all along that he was right on track. Um, I know some people expected him to be farther along when he reported to spring training than he was, but we were never really too concerned about it. It is important to bring yourself along pretty slowly from this injury. Um, so I actually think the shutdown was good for him. They did say he was about ready to play games, which is good. It means he was feeling you know, pretty confident and his shoulder was feeling good. But it does just take some time to get full strength back, and that helps to avoid other injuries related to the torn labrum that was repaired. So when a guy is coming back from a serious injury like this, it's about a lot more than just the shoulder that was repaired. Um, but I think he seems to be doing pretty well, and I'm I'm optimistic that when the season begins, I think he's going to be ready to go. Um, I think he should have a pretty good season, but most players coming back from a torn labrum in their first season back – they experience a slight dip in their production, even if they are deemed to be healthy. Byron Buxton also coming back from shoulder surgery. His surgery performed right around the same time. He was uh, expected to be ready for opening day. Uh, The Twins were saying he was going to be ready for opening day. I actually want to group Buxton and Mondesi together because one thing that fantasy owners really look for out of both of them is stolen bases. And what I'm wondering is, is there any reason to expect guys coming back from this brand of injury to maybe run a little less because of the possible risk of re-injury? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible, um, especially, you know, the first maybe few weeks back, just to make sure they're feeling good. Um, because you can, I mean, when you're sliding, especially head first, and you're, you know, you're reaching that arm out that's been surgically repaired, you're definitely putting yourself at a greater uh risk of causing more damage. The biggest thing, again, is making sure that all of the muscles around the labrum are strong enough because then that's going to you know, help keep the shoulder in place. It's less likely to sublux or dislocate. Um, you're less likely to sprain that shoulder when you're, when you're diving for the base. Um, so I think, you know, actually when I was looking at Buxton and Mondesi, they were, their numbers are very, very similar going forward. Giancarlo Stanton is a, a frequent uh, topic of conversation as it pertains to recovering from injuries. And he was dealing with a calf strain this spring. It didn't look like he was going to miss a lot of time in the regular season. Does it give you any concern, though, when a player like Stanton, who's had a variety of different injuries, some just plain bad luck, some previously soft tissue in nature, does it give you extra concern when something new pops up like this? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, In our algorithm right now, he's one of those, we don't see this very often, but his injury risk is in the high category, but his HPF, which is our health performance factor, um, basically it just says if a player were to step on the field today, how do we think they're going to perform based on their overall health and any injury concerns? And he falls into the peak category, which is as good as it gets. So he's high risk, Hmm. but peak HPF. Um, So when the season begins, I think he's going to be ready to play. Um, He should be recovered from this calf strain. Um, We had a four-week optimal recovery time for his injury, which might seem a little long for a grade one injury. But like you said, it's because of 
you know, his lengthy injury history. Um, last year, he missed a ton of time with the PCL sprain in his knee, also dealt with a bicep strain, um, had a cortisone injection in his left shoulder, and he had a little bit of a calf problem last year. Um, not sure if it was to the same calf or not, but he has a history of these soft tissue lower body injuries, and they're highly recurrent. Um, so it's definitely something to watch. But I think when the season begins, he should be ready to go, ready to play well. It's just a matter of if he can avoid another injury or not. With a guy like Stanton, do you factor in at all the possibility that he is solely a DH? And do you let that influence how you project what his risk of re-injury might be? Yes. All of our, our optimal recovery time, our overall injury risk, and that HPF, the health performance factor, all of these things are based on a player's, everything from a player's position, um, how old they are, how many games they've played, um, and then, of course, their their injury history and how severe their injuries have been. So we take in, into account a lot of things, um, but that includes, you know, being an, outfiel- an outfielder versus a DH. His numbers are going to look a little bit different if he's just a DH. Smelling good is important, and thanks to Hawthorne, smelling good is easier than ever. It's time to move on from that old bottle of cologne that you've been holding on to since high school. It's time to start taking care of your hair and your skin. Here's how it works. You just take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne will tell you the products that are best for you, including two colognes, one for work and one for play, along with a full complement of shampoo, conditioner, body wash, deodorant, and lotions that smell great and are free of sulfate, silicone, and aluminum. Plus, all of Hawthorne's products are cruelty-free as well. You can even take the quiz for someone else and find the perfect Father's Day gift for your dad. Hawthorne is totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Let's talk about Carlos Carrasco for a moment. Uh, He was missing some time in the spring with elbow inflammation, and of course Carrasco was diagnosed with leukemia last year. He received treatment, actually came back at the end of the season. Um, Thinking more specifically first about leukemia as a part of his health history, does that make Carrasco considerably more at risk in a post-COVID 2020 baseball season? Yeah, so Carrasco is an interesting guy to look at. Um, I think the leukemia definitely has a chance to put him at just a higher overall risk with uh, coronavirus this season. There's a lot we obviously don't know, but um, I think he's someone we got to look out for and he's probably got to be extra careful. Um, and I also think, you know, he's already had this elbow inflammation. Um, he had an MRI. It seems that there's no structural damage there. Um, but in addition to that, he had this right hip flexor strain early on at camp. And I think these injuries are related to just his body not quite being 100% after leukemia. Um, it can take well over a year to really get your strength back. And um, I think Carrasco is just going to be at an increased risk of suffering an injury this year as he continues to work his way back. So, you know, not only is his immune system potentially slightly compromised and could be more affected, to be honest, I don't really know because there's a lot we, we don't know yet about coronavirus. But when you combine that with the possibility of still not being quite as strong as he was, um, potentially tweaking his throwing motion unintentionally a little bit, he's going to be at a higher risk throughout the entire season. 
Let's move on to our Tommy John returnees. The first one uh, who jumps out to me is Michael Kopech, suffered the injury back toward the end of the 2018 season, missed all of the 2019 season, and was getting a whole lot of publicity around White Sox camp at the start of 2020 before everything shut down, regularly touching triple digits with his fastball, seemed like he was ready to go, seemed likely to have a spot in the White Sox rotation. He felt healthy back in February. Should we feel the same way about him come June, July? Yeah. Um, given that he's now about 18 months removed, that's kind of our cutoff point for where when we think players should return from Tommy John surgery. Um, I think he should be in for a pretty good season. Now, it's very important to not only manage innings, but also to manage uh, pitch count when coming back from Tommy John surgery. Um, the shortened season will certainly just automatically help that. So I think he sh- I think he should do pretty well. Um, now our algorithm, based on you know many years of medical research and talking to a lot of different doctors, does indicate that it takes typically close to 36 months for a pitcher to truly get back to 100% following Tommy John surgery. But once they hit that 18 month mark, that's a really important point to get to um, before before returning. So. He's hit that, um, and I think while he's still an elevated injury risk because players are always going to be at you know a higher risk when coming back from this surgery, um, his health performance factor is above average, which is an indicator that he should be ready to play pretty well when the season picks back up. You know, it's always interesting too seeing the differences in recovery times for position players versus pitchers. Aaron Hicks is also coming back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, he had that procedure, I believe, on Halloween, so at the very end of October. The expectation was that he might be back in June. So as a position player and for his situation specifically as a guy who plays center field and is on a team where they have a guy we talked about in Stanton who DHs a lot, um, what do you need to see from Hicks before you can kind of trust him as healthy enough to play? Yeah, so the recovery time from Tommy John surgery for um, a field player versus a pitcher, they basically cut that time in half. So... All of our research has shown that they should not return in under nine months. Um, So Hicks coming back in, you know, May or June, that was that was too early, um, according to our algorithm. Um, Ideally, he'll wait until July. um, And then even then, it'll take until next season for him to truly get to 100 percent. But he should, you know, his numbers are looking pretty good. They're definitely trending in the right direction. Um, His injury risk has improved from high to elevated and his health performance factor is now in that above average category. So not necessarily quite where he was last season, um, but you know he should be ready to play by early July. Um, he was seen last week taking bat- batting practice, which is um, good progress. And he's been progressing through his throwing program as well and hasn't reported any setbacks. So I think Hicks will be in for a pretty good season and should be ready um, depending on when the season starts, but by early July. Corey Knabel, one more guy coming back from Tommy John, and another guy who was expected to come back some point at what would have been around the middle of the season had things started on time. He's been throwing at home and uh, could rejoin a strong Milwaukee bullpen. What are we looking for out of Corey Knabel to know that he is back healthy, ready to go? Yeah, so he's someone I'm not going to be too confident in at all this season because he won't have hit that 18-month mark until basically the end of the season. Um but as a relief pitcher, it does help him a little bit because he doesn't need that extra time to really get his arm stretched out. Um, he did resume throwing off the mound in early February, so at least he'll have a few months of that um, and has been slowly able to ramp up his throwing um, by the time the season picks back up. So 
unfortunately, he's just going to always be a high injury risk throughout the season. Um, his health performance factor is back at above average, meaning he could throw pretty well, but it just won't take much for him to either aggravate his elbow or cause another injury um, just because he's returning too quickly. Got a couple of other pitchers who are rehabbing different types of elbow injuries, uh, Griffin Canning and Rich Hill. You know, Canning seems like he's on track for July. Hill, maybe because he's a little older, he's 40 years old, he, maybe he's a little less likely to be ready right away, but both of those guys are positioned to be ready closer to the start of the season they would have been had we started back in March. What are their different challenges in rehabbing their respective elbow injuries? Yeah, I'm very concerned about both of these guys. Um, Canning has what they're calling chronic changes to his UCL, along with acute joint irritation in his elbow. Um, he received a PRP injection, basically hoping to avoid Tommy John surgery. Um, a lot of the time, though, this just ends up delaying the surgery. It's tough. Once the UCL is damaged, It's unless it's a very, very slight tear, just some stretching to the ligament, um, it's it's very unlikely that it's going to fully recover and heal on its own. Um, Tommy John surgery is often necessary to basically replace the ligament. Um, it's not just usually repaired during surgery. So even if this PRP injection helps him and he starts to feel, you know, a little better over the next few months and tries to return, I think Tommy John surgery is unfortunately inevitable. Um, he's just, you know, hoping to put it off for as long as possible um, he was cleared to throw off the mound in early May, um, has been throwing for, I think, a little a little over a month, um, and so far hasn't reported any setbacks, but I think it's only a matter of time um, before it comes. So even if he's looking good, I just think he's someone that's going to experience problems again at some point. Um, also pretty concerned about Rich Hill. He had surgery on his elbow, what they called a primary and revision surgery, um, basically what this is, is he had Tommy John surgery, I think back in 2011. Um, and like I said, during Tommy John surgery, the UCL is actually replaced. Um, during the surgery, Rich Hill had, they basically reinforce the ligament, the graft that they used during his previous Tommy John surgery. And while this can be a much faster recovery time than Tommy John surgery, it is very, very likely to fail again. Um, it's a pretty tough surgery to recover from players usually aren't hundred percent and it just doesn't tend to, to work very well. Um, so I understand at his age, Hill probably didn't want to go through another Tommy John surgery because I think that would just mean automatically his career was over. But unfortunately, I think this is kind of the beginning of the end for him. Um, just with this many elbow problems, it's tough to get back to where he was, he was before. Canning's an interesting one just because of what the ceiling is with his stuff. Is there anyone that you can think of off the top of your head and know is a perfectly acceptable answer here that has followed a, a rehab plan like this with rest and PRP and been able to come back and stave off Tommy John and pitch well, having the history that Canning already has with his arm? Yeah, I was doing a little research, research on this earlier, actually. Um, and I wasn't really able to find anyone, at least in the last few years, that successfully avoided Tommy John surgery um, following a PRP injection. Um, Chris Sale tried. Shohei Otani recently tried. Um, he had his in 2017 and, of course, put it off until last year. But um, almost every pitcher I could find that actually made it to the major league level and had pitched and had a few successful seasons, um, I wasn't really able to find anyone in the last four or five years or so that um, had a PRP injection and has successfully avoided Tommy John surgery. 
Yeah, it's always to me. It always feels like surgery delayed uh, rather than surgery avoided when mm -hmm. that treatment route is chosen. Unfortunately, uh, one other question we have for this is kind of a, a broad question, but how different is it when a player is recovering from a bone injury? And the example that I keep thinking of is Luis Urias. He's coming back from a broken wrist, and he was also about to make his spring debut right as things. Uh, shut down back in March. I mean, how high is the, the re-injury risk and uh, what could a player like Urias do to show that he's back at 100%? Yeah, so with bone injuries, um, typically once they heal, they're healed. You don't really have to worry about them anymore. Um, whereas something like a, you know, a hamstring strain, um, you're at a much higher risk of aggravating that injury just because your muscle is never quite the same unless it's really, really mild. Um, so once it's healed, it's healed. The problem is the muscles around the fracture location often take longer to get back to normal. Um, and it can take a while to really get your strength back. So a guy like Urias coming back from, he had a hamate bone fracture to his left hand, um, had surgery during this. They usually actually just remove the hook of the hamate and it's not a very big deal, but it takes a lot of time for players to get their power back. Um, now he had surgery in January we have a seven-week optimal recovery time for this. So that means by March, um, his hand should have been recovered. And then typically we've seen with players that have had this injury recently, it takes them a couple more months to really get their power back. So I think he really should be good to go by the time the season picks back up. Um, but, you know, his injury, I think, will follow what many other players who suffer these, you know, hand wrist fractures follow. Um, you know, the hand is healed, the bone is healed just fine, takes a little longer to get um, power back. So you may see his home runs and stuff drop a little bit, but this delay to the start of the season, I think will help him out a lot. Virginia, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. This is extremely insightful. And I know people get kind of bummed out talking about injuries, but I think having a, a very realistic view of what these guys are dealing with and the timetables we're, we're looking at is extremely helpful for us. Uh, as fantasy players. Uh, before we sign off, where should our listeners go uh, to follow your work? So the best place to follow us is on Twitter. Um, we're at Inside Injuries. You can also check out our website, although that's a little bit more geared towards the NFL. Um, so I would definitely start with Twitter. We'll be uh, ramping up our updates when we hopefully soon learn of a timeline for the MLB season to pick back up. Um, but we'll keep uh, updating you on players, and we always like to get involved. If you want to send us any questions, um, we'll try to answer as many as we can. All right, at Inside Injuries on Twitter. Thanks again for the insight and the time today, Virginia. That is going to do it for today's episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. If you don't already have a subscription to The Athletic, you can get 40% off at theathletic.com slash fantasy baseball podcast. For Michael Beller and Virginia Zakis, I'm Derek Van Riper. The Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast returns next week. Have a great weekend. Uh -huh.